0: not because we have donald trump on the line because i would imagine many of you when you hear that song you expect very soon thereafter to hear and see the very intimidating and regal even presidential of course figure of donald trump quite antithetical to that he carries with him a lot of dignity and poise and certainly he is the man to go to when you want some legal protection in particular the labor law field, but in law in general, the director of at or Stansfield's, Stansfield Incorporated, Mr. Gavin Mbinchi Stansfield. Gavin, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to, to speak to you. Thank you. Welcome to the show. It has been a long time. First things first, how are you? How are the little ones? How's the firm growing two, three years now? It must be starting to look up
1: Yeah, thanks, Sangeza. I appreciate that. Uh, Little ones are fine, not so little anymore, but I guess every parent uh, experiences that. Uh, The firm is doing well. Thank you, despite the tough times that we continue to live in. Of course, Sangeza, the the labour implications of what happened last year and ongoing remain... Uh, substantial, complex, and um, yeah, somehow we've been managing to navigate things. But thank you for asking.
0: Very well. Well, just for those who have joined us, we're having a conversation this evening with Mr. Gavin Stansfield, Director at of Stansfield Incorporated. It's a law firm based in Cape Town. The topic for this evening is accountability and the rule of law. I don't need to say too much insofar as it relates to what your personal experiences with South Africa Inc., As it were, and what the word accountability has come to mean in recent times, not just in the political sense, of course, in the political sense, as well as in any other sense, political sense, very much private and corporate sense is a conversation worth having. Now, Gavin does specialize in labor law as well as public law, particularly matters to do with pension funds and all of those things. But a lot of the work that you have done, Gavin, is in the realm of the workplace where accountability reigns supreme in sort of the practice you have built and when we talk about accountability and the rule of law many people might miss it they might think they've got it but in in reality there is a nuanced approach to how we establish accountability and how accountability is kept in check in organizations both in public and the private sense perhaps with just that as a comment do you want to just give us a sense as to what we should be talking about what we should be thinking and where in the general sense corporations in particular with regard to their employees should be headed to in so far as it relates to making sure their relationship is kept abreast
1: so it's about a set of rules is it not it's about a a set of rules that govern the way we live. And I know that you have um, sketched this particularly with reference to the workplace, but if you just talk about accountability and the rule of law and you take a step back and we look at the broader context as opposed to the workplace, we'll get to the workplace. But in essence, it's a way in which we live our lives, either the way we choose to live our lives or the, or the way that someone prescribes to us to say that there are things that will be permissible and things will not be permissible. And of course that's a set of laws in the in the broad sense uh, coming into the workplace. That's generally a set of rules. And as I said it's a it's a it's it's prescribing a a a code of behaviour or in again to, to make it workplace specific, a code of conduct to say that this type of conduct is going to be acceptable within our particular environment, or this type of conduct is not going to be acceptable. And, of course, focusing on accountability in those instances where someone steps outside of those rules, where there's a breach of the rule. It's about the person who prescribes the rule holding them accountable, the person who is wrongdoing. So, of course, it's pointing out the fact that a rule or standard has been breached. And importantly, Songhezo, mm. what is the consequence going to be That for that, the breach, or in fact, a a lack of accountability on the part of the person who is breaching the rule. So, those are some of the general concepts I think we can begin to unpack. But that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about holding people accountable to a way in which we think we should be living and conducting ourselves.
0: We're talking to Mr. Gavin Stansfield. He's just sketched out what we mean when we talk about accountability and the rule of law, the set of rules that should govern the behavior of a society and to the extent that one should stray from that given set of values, those rules, policies and organizations to be specific, what should happen as a result. He uses the word and quite deliberately consequence, and we're going to talk about consequence management, in particular in the public sector in this country. I need not say it's too much beyond the two words digital vibes please do give us a call then johannesburg 714-2006 that's the landline drop us a whatsapp voice note whatsapp is up and running this evening 0614-104-107 after the break we continue with mr gavin stansfield to talk to us about accountability and the rule of law and more particularly how we hold those who ought to be held accountable accountable a <laughs> SMS SAFM now on 41391. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapepe on SAFM. When we talk about accountability in the public service, we really are talking about those persons who hold elected office or who hold special offices where they account on behalf of institutions as to how they organize the affairs of that institution with regard to service delivery and the administration of executive functions and government functions at large. In the private sector sense, we really are talking about directors being held accountable and honoring at all times the shareholder and related stakeholder interests. When we talk about accountability and the rule of law, it is very much modeled on that, but at a far higher level where the stakes, are high and could they get any higher in a global pandemic a minister of health Gavin Stansfield who is now fingered as he has been through the digital vibes report recently released by the president compiled by the SIU the implications for the state insofar as it relates to that what can you tell us I'm asking this question specifically because of your previous experience when you had to deal with a former police commissioner a decade or so ago again in similar circumstances
1: yeah, I guess, I mean, where do we start? You know, when we talk about questions of accountability, the question is really who is going to hold the person accountable. And within the public sector, unfortunately, as we all know, that there has sadly been a complete lack of accountability, um, particularly within governments and the public sector, which has led to the types of situations we find ourselves in, in terms of where municipalities find themselves from an economic perspective from a lack of service delivery all those sorts of things so what it is we spoke earlier about uh holding yourself up to a code of conduct with standard and when people fall short of that of course if there is no accountability there is no incentive to hold yourself to that standard so that's exactly i think the problem that this country has been suffering from um as you as you point out I and mean, it went it went uh, we don't have to discuss the detail but it went. All the way back to 2010 and, uh, and, and the matter that you referred to which I was involved in investigating uh, particular lease deals and it's, and again the following decade is punctuated by not only uh, I won't even say breaches of a rule so much but just complete not non-adherence to certain levels of standards and, and standards quite frankly that again within the public sector citizens such as you and I and taxpayers can expect we can legitimately yeah. expect. In a functioning democracy, we can expect these standards to be upheld. It's why we go to the ballot box. It's why we make a cross next to chosen parties, and/or if we're voting for certain persons and certain officials, because we do that in the anticipation that there will not only be an adherence to a particular standard. And again, within the public context, we're talking about service delivery. Uh, we're talking about. Plain forward integrity, Sangeza. We're mm. talking about placing the interests of the community who elects you, the electorates, ahead of those interests, uh, 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 personal interests or conflicts of interest which may arise, granted by the many opportunities that, that before uh, public officials, in particular, when we're talking about state money. And when this doesn't happen, and when we are let down and when there is a general lack of accountability which perpetuates itself over a sustained period of time we begin to ask ourselves the question who exactly is holding this um who's holding these persons or these bodies accountable if not the electorate of course we only get the opportunity to do that every five years and even then it's limited bearing in mind that we only have a single vote and it's really the collective that matters um, but if there's no accountability within the overall public sector, uh, it sets the standard, I'm afraid, for the rest of the country. And then those are those are some of the issues, I think. That we've been
0: grappling with. When you talk about all of the issues that we are grappling with, I don't get the sense from what you have narrated, there seem to be lessons that we have learned from previous administrations insofar as it relates to how the civil service is run. I know, and we're getting political, and I know you're not a politician here, so you can, to the extent that you feel comfortable, respond to this, do so, because I don't want to hurt in any way your practice. But when we talk about, for instance, things that ultimately eat into accountability, is paying particular interests. Predicated, of course, on conflict of interest to the party, to particular factions within governance at large, finding those persons in the civil service and, of course, owing allegiance to the people who put them there, not actually the people who they are representing me and you in the typical sense. How then do we move away from what has characterized the employment patterns within the civil service, particularly in positions of accounting officers. What lessons have we learned? What lessons could we still learn? I'm asking this question to Gavin, but I'm also asking that question of you at home, who is engaging this topic as you are listening, but equally as affected by the lack of accountability in the rule of law that has come to characterize South Africa. Gavin, your thoughts early on in relation to that, how can we change how we remain, we being South Africa, attractive, for those persons who want to occupy those positions and actually do the work that those positions require of them? Mm.
1: You know, Sangez, I'm going to start with the suite of legislation that we have that governs a lot of these issues that you're talking about. So first and foremost, we have have excellent legislation in this country, and that's where I'm going to start, bearing in mind where, where my experience and qualifications are. So we take, for example, within the national sphere, when it comes to the management of uh, of national monies, we have the we have the PFMA, we have the Public Finance Management Act. At municipal level, a very similar piece of legislation called the MFMA, mm-hmm. which is the Municipal Finance Management Act. So we talk about um, where, where do we start and how do we rid ourselves of, of where we have where we have found ourselves from a and, and you mentioned the word from in a political context, in a socio economic context. If we could have a higher adherence to, and I use the word policing uh, um, uh, um, uh, in inverted commas almost, really we're talking about adherence and we're talking about the come back to the accountability word. We have a terrific suite of legislation in this country which governs various functionaries and the way that money should be spent. Uh, Supply chain management uh, legislation, as you Mm -hmm. know, also as a fellow lawyer, We have excellent legislation, we have excellent frameworks, which should be doing a better job, again, if there was not only a greater degree of adherence, but if there was a greater degree of policing those who are breaching those rules. Who is learning the lessons? There are hard lessons that are being learnt, but unfortunately it takes time. And are the lessons being learnt by the people who need to be learning the lessons or are the lessons being learnt by the taxpayers um, because ultimately we are feeling the brunt of that. So where do we start? We can start by focusing on the legislation that we have. Our constitution, as you know, is, is lauded throughout the world as a, as a global example of a constitution, um, Which is, uh, uh, and, and thankfully our constitutional court has, over the years, we know this, we've seen time and time again where the constitutional court has upheld very important provisions of the constitution on various factual uh, matrices, um that have been presented to that court, lower down, we trickle down and we see, as I said, if we see the state of municipalities within the country, if we see the statistics if we see what the auditor general releases. oh yes, uh, on on a, on an on an annual basis in terms of the state of, of municipalities and municipal funding. And then we look at a piece of legislation like the MFma, and we wonder to ourselves there's a disconnect there on How can it be that when you have We talk about the rule of law. We do have a set of laws that are that are that good, that are that functioning, that are intended to avoid and to prevent the situation that we find ourselves in. And then we find ourselves in the situation. In any event, we must be asking ourselves the question, where is the rule of law? Why is there such a lack of accountability? And I know that we are are, repeating these words Mm. uh, uh, on, on, you know, but that's really where we are. And and. Where are there lessons being learned? There are certainly lessons being learned at public level. Um, Are the lessons being learned at at governmental level, at municipal level? They probably are. But is there enough incentives to make those lessons uh, turn those lessons into realisable conduct that is ultimately going to make a difference? That's the question.
0: That's the question Gavin Stansfield is asking. Perhaps those who are in industry might better give us perspectives from their experiences. You are first on the dial, Mike, and I'm talking to Mike in Newlands. After Mike in Newlands, Mike in Sharks Territory will join us. That's Mike in Durban. Mike, good evening in Newlands. Yeah, yeah, hi.
2: Good evening, sir. Good evening to your
0: guests. I
2: think you almost kind of know what I'm going to say. Because I've said it before, <laughs> and I'm, but you know I, I feel that we keep talking around the issue, and the issue is a simple one. Um, you asked us, and guess, have we learned any lessons? Well, no, we haven't learned any lessons because there's no need to learn a lesson. If we have a country that has got no law and order, in other words, the law and order process is not separate from the government of the day. it doesn't matter which government it is but once that law and order has to report to the government, because the government is fundamentally the employer. It's the person that pays the checks. So whether the SIU investigates or whether the Hawks or whether Sats investigates, they all ultimately report to the minister of police, who in turn reports to his boss, the president. So once you've got that chain of command, you can steal yourself blind. So digital vibes, Panyaza the city is wrapped up in a $430 rand scan, This happened in January. It is now, what, October, September, October? Mm. Nothing, not a word. Because, and I'm not going to go through the list. It's a long list. I could make it. You would be here all night. The point of the matter is, and I'm sure your guests can't agree, unless we have an independent justice system, this is a point. I'm not saying it's a pointless conversation. We need to learn. But the fact of the matter is that if you're in the ANC and you steal and we have digital vibes, it's a classic case. You will not go to jail. You don't have to fear anything. In fact, the very president of the country will praise you for doing a good job while you were busy feeding money while you were supposed to be looking after the sick. So we need to have an independent justice system. We need the scorpions. Bring back the scorpions. And I promise you, law and order in this country will suddenly happen because people will respect the law. But nobody respects the law in our country anymore. And sadly, I'm getting to the stage here, nor do I, because I just know that the bad people will get away with it and the good people are suffering, and that's the poor out there. Thank you
0: very much again. Thank you so much, Mike in Newlands and let's go straight up the coast to the east in Durban, Mike. Let's go straight
2: up the coast to the
0: east in Durban, Mike. Mike, please Good turn your radio you off and everyone else. Please turn your radio uh, off, Mike, because you're listening to me on the radio I and played, not on the like
2: uh, today. i threw the bones and I let the bones tell me how to solve this problem. When people are put on suspension Right. They, can, they smile like hell. Let them go on suspension. No pay, no benefits whatsoever. This is in the public service and the private industry that will solve this problem.
0: Fantastic. Short and sweet. Much appreciated. Let me go back to the first call and the implications he raised there. I'll start off with the last point because I think that's almost going to be inevitable, Gavin, where people try and be law abiding, but for too long a period of time, they see what is actually happening around them. They see this culture of lack of accountability. And at some point or the other, it becomes a question of when as opposed to if they start breaking the rules because they are simply drawing the energies or lack thereof that are happening in the community that they have been trying to respect its laws and everything else, but because those at the top seem to have been absolved of those very laws, it filters down into society. How do we stymie that? Because that is a very real threat to accountability and the rule of law in general in the country.
1: Now, it's funny, I used the word integrity earlier, and I suppose that is a large part of what we're talking about I must say when I and this is a personal this is a personal comment and I, I first let me acknowledge the degree of frustration I think it was I think it was Mike and Newlands. So let me just acknowledge sure. it, The absolute degree of frustration. I'm one of them. I'm one of them, Mike, and I, I feel the frustration. I feel it on a day to day basis. We can use the word anger, quite frankly, as opposed to merely frustration. It is it is angering to see a country such as the one that we live in that we're also proud of, um that is really just being set by the types of, uh, the, the types of quite frankly, evils uh, that we are. And we ask ourselves, why? From a personal perspective, the more I see of it, uh, yes, it's frustrating, and in some instances, in many instances, it becomes very demoralizing. But in a way, Sanjezo, I there's two points here. The mere fact that someone else is doing it and descending into that which I protest so much The criminality, the lack of accountability, the sheer sheer selfishness uh, of of being in a position of power and utilizing that power, not for the purpose for which it is intended, and that is for the betterment of, and I'm talking about, again, if you're in a a position of public power, not for the betterment of the people that you put you there, but for the betterment of yourself. And I'm afraid that we've seen far too much of that. The more I see of it, yes, it is angering, yes, it, it it makes me resentful. But at the same time, it motivates me even further to, to swim in the other direction and to simply keep pulling in the other direction, which is which is what I, I intend to do. I, I cannot ever get to the point personally where I will begin to participate in that, which has become so widespread when I feel so strongly about it. Um, I, I think that, that's really um that's really the first point. There, there was a second point I, I wanted to make in relation to that. Um, maybe you could just prompt me on that. I got so I got so carried away on the first point. Yeah, sure. How strongly I feel about this.
0: He, he, he was talking about the fact that many, who, and he says we know who they are, nothing happens because they seem to be protected at the top. So it doesn't matter, and I mean, I think he was likening it to the law's that you say are there, but there doesn't seem to be anybody with a necessary political will. And perhaps let me just tie it in with what would have been my second question, because I see the word whistleblower on mm. CNN. There is, when you talk about the instruments of law that do exist, the Protected Disclosures Act, that ha- somehow is there to assist in those who want accountability to, in fact, be a lived and real thing. But in this country, we have seen many people, and when, we, in the broader sense of accountability and whistleblowers and the protection of those persons, they are not protected at all by the system, are they?
1: Well, um, again... At least in yeah. reality,
0: not so much in terms of what should happen.
1: Uh, I, absolutely and and i was going to say again we have a good piece of legislation we have the protected disclosures act which again is a spe- it's a workplace specific piece of legislation intended to protect those employees who whistleblow within a workplace context uh, and what the what the framework of the legislation says is that no employee may be subjected to any form of an occupational detriment that is any form of occupational prejudice on account of having made the protective disclosure now yes all and again we, we liken this to the PFMA, and if and all of the other very good legislation we have in this country but of course uh, mike talks about bringing back the scorpions etc because um, as we all know this legislation is only as good as the extent to which it's going to be policed and it's going to be enforced and there again i share the frustration that uh, that if, uh, if 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 we have this legislation in theory which exists but it's not being given effect to in a realistic manner or in a manner that is intended to actually serve the purpose or does serve the purpose which the legislation is intended, is intended to serve, well, then people might say, what's the point of having it in the first place? So unless we have effect- effective enforcement mechanisms, and that is not only, of course, in investigative work, such as the Scorpions would be, mm-hmm. but also in the follow-through, in things like the NPA, you talk about political willpower, in a sense... The MPA is, is not intended at all to be political. It's intended to be in, entirely the, the antithesis of that. It's intended to be uh, the office is meant to be objective. It's meant to be uh, it's meant to be independent and free of any of that. But again, if you if you ha- if you start having political hands controlling the office of the MPA and you don't have the political will to actually make sure that that office functions effectively, then you can have the best policing in the world. But if you can't put the people away through the judicial system. And, of course, again, we're staring at empty empty
0: spaces. You mentioned the judicial system, and perhaps we can actually just have a quick comment to this because I don't think that's entirely a fair and accurate reflection of the judicial system when Mike says we need an independent judicial system. As far as I read the Constitution and in terms of how it is practically realized, the judiciary is independent. It's just a question perhaps of I would imagine the frustration creeping through that such, I would even say, callous remarks can be made unless, of course, there's something I don't understand. What are your thoughts in relation to that?
1: Um, I I think that the judiciary and the independence of the judiciary... So again, from a constitutional perspective, it's the same as the Office of the NPA. Um, uh, Of course, constitutionally, the judiciary is independent. But then, again, that's written down on paper. We ask ourselves the question from a pragmatic perspective... Has the judiciary remained independent? Is it independent? Does it function with its intended independence? And I think, I uh, as South Africans, we look back over the previous decade, and I think many people would agree that but for the independence of the the judiciary Mm -hmm. and the manner in which it functioned and seemingly remained somewhat immune uh, uh, or resilient to state capture and all of its its evils, is that the judiciary has actually seen this country to a very, very dark period. And was it not for the independence of the judiciary, that perhaps we wouldn't, we wouldn't find ourselves relatively coming out on the other end of it. Of course, the media played an incredibly important role as well uh, in exposing where we were finding ourselves within the last decade. But I do think that, as I said, certainly constitutionally, it is independent. And I think that uh, um, on a, from a practical perspective, I think the judiciary stood up in many important cases uh, of late, and, uh, and and probably saved South Africa from an even worse disposition to the ones that we currently find ourselves in.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The judgments of Justice McHuang in Ngandla and that of, or the quartet of cases penned by Froneman with regard to Sasa and cash payment cash payment master services, together with the NPA judgment of Madlanga. for goodness sake you are right Gavin, the judiciary has been the buffer between what in many respects could have been by now a failed state and the fact that we have the country that we have. I have time for just three more callers, unfortunately we have to move the conversation on and these calls have to be short please. Willy in Christiana then Ibrahim in Zanin and Am in Cape Town. Three calls, three minutes, make it snappy please. Willy.
3: Thank you, Songye. Uh, uh, look quickly, Songye. Why, when one is in an institution and then maybe you're a newcomer in that municipality, in the office, and then you're trying to, to, to suddenly, of course, try to do the correct thing, and then uh, there and there you are being intimidated and then uh, an issue of you being eliminated, then suddenly a that I remember that Jackson Mutambu, I remember at some stage during the Zuma's reign when Jackson was saying to me that if this is the issue, we have to take all of us will have to take a phone. And then he was he was at Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, when you knew the organization, you wanna do good. Unfortunately the culture just consumes you. Will you talking to us about that? Ibrahim in Zanin. Ibrahim.
3: Hey, Hello. How are you?
0: Well sir, how are you?
3: Okay, can I am ahead? Go for it. Okay. You see the problem of South Africa is you see South Africa is near the ocean, you eh? know? You know that. It is going slowly slowly in the ocean. We will end up all that fast in the in the water. Because the law is there, it's really there. But no implementation. No nobody will no no implementation even everything is going well but it will end up in the hands of the crooks and if you talk like the the recent story i think you know it there was a healthy lady who was killed when he wanted to go to confess if you talk too much you you be gone dead and the crooks will never be found so Certain. there's a lot of criminality and then things will never because all, almost half of this of the country are criminals they support criminality so they it's more they they support it almost 1 uh, three-thirds I'm not so sure if these statistics
0: are sustainable. I'm absolutely not sure if those statistics are sustainable. And the lady who was gunned down here in Johannesburg very recently was not going to confess because that presupposes she was going to confess to something that she did. She was actually aiding the state in uncover corruption, particularly around PPE tenders earlier on in this pandemic life of the country. Sam in Cape Town, final caller.
3: Yes, Yeah, I just want to emphasize on Mike's point of the independence of our some of our arms of arms of like the SIU. They got the investigative powers and in everything. Why must they again report to the president? Or and now the chief, uh, state capture, Justice Raymond Zondo must in a report to the president they are supposed to come out and give that report to the people as others because they are supposed to be accountable to the people not to the president because the president if there's his name he's gonna say everything that he wants before he gives the, the report to the people that's why there is no independence there on siu and these commissions because they report to the same person maybe who is implicated
0: deeply kevin final comments from you
1: can i come back to the suspension question um, it, it, was a, it was a question that was a, a point that was made, and I think it, it, it ties everything together, is to say, well, why in relation to people who are who are being suspended, especially in the public service, should they be suspended on on full pay, and they be they should be suspended uh, without pay? Um, I, I've, I've been thinking about that question quite a lot. I mean, as an employment lawyer, we've always just we've always just known that the right to be remunerated whilst you're on suspension is, is a is a fundamental right. And I again I do sense the frustration. And I do understand someone who is saying that um, that you should be that you should not be remunerated during a period of suspension. Um, and sometimes the problem with that is the suspensions just are too long and someone may sit at home for six or nine or twelve months just mm. earning a salary at yes. the end of the taxpayer. Uh, and, and that's obviously abuse. But I, I do want to just, uh, just pose the, 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 the question from a different perspective, and that is that within the context of the workplace as well, and sometimes the people who are in power and the people who are implementing these suspensions are not always doing so for legitimate reasons. And it must be borne in mind that if you are going to give an employer the power to suspend without uh, affording the employee the right to be remunerated during that period of suspension, it, can lend, it would lead, it lend itself to incredible abuse at the hands of the party who is actually implementing the suspension. It can be implemented for ulterior purposes, for mm-hmm. political purposes, to remove voices uh, within the workplace uh, who are maybe the ones who are wanting to raise the impropriety within the workplace. Uh, and anybody who would who would stick their hand up and want to raise any of these issues and swim upstream uh, against any form of corruption or any or any malfeasance or wrongdoing is then automatically just removed from the workplace. No, no remuneration, and, of course, no incentive on the part of the employer to actually, under those circumstances, uh, um, uh, convene disciplinary processes. So it is something I've thought about, and, and, and I think we must realize that the answer is not in opening up that level of abuse. The answer is about implementing suspensions for legitimate reasons and making sure that where disciplinary processes follow, that those disciplinary processes follow promptly, expeditiously, uh, and in accordance with fair procedures. That that be the final comment. I know I'm not directly related to mm-hmm, the final mm-hmm. caller, but definitely something I wanted to pick up on because I think it's important, especially within the digital vibes context, which which we're seeing right now.
0: Certainly. Well, we could talk indefinitely about such matters, but here is something that I just want to bring to the attention of everybody who cares to hear. I once had a director at a law firm at which I did articles who would insist every Friday I walk into an o- into his office, and my back there tell me one useless, indiscriminate fact, he would instruct me and I'd obviously have to come and think of something interesting to tell him. Well, it is Teacher Appreciation Week and just now we'll have Jackie Cook talking to us about that in the context of teachers. Gavin, here's one useless, indiscriminate fact, but a good one nonetheless. You were a great teacher, brother. Thank you so much for all the good times and more importantly, the learning you facilitated for me early on in my legal career.
1: It was an absolute privilege, Ngeza, especially look forward now 10 years and see uh, who you've become and, and, and where you find yourself in your life. It's something to be very proud of for all those who've been involved. So thank you.
0: Mr. Stansfield, Gavin Stansfield, director. I'm glad this of Stansfield, based in Cape Town. Labor law specialists, but general lawyers in the sense where you can take any matter to them and hopefully have it responded to within time and budget. Accountability and the rule of law. That was the conversation after this short break. Teacher Appreciation Week. Jackie Cook, Education Specialist and Chief of Academic Operations at teneo Online.